Hey, it's Carolyn from Homesteading Family. Before we jump in today's pantry chat, I'd like to invite you to join me for a free four-part video series where I'm going to take you step-by-step through making high-quality dairy products in your very own kitchen. Don't worry, there's no cow required. (laughs) If you'd like to join me for the training, jump on over to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash dairy. Hey you guys, this is Josh with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. And we have an exciting guest today. I'm just honored to have Justin Rhodes of Abundant Permaculture here with us today. What's up, Justin? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Oh man, yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you here. And um, we're just going to talk a little bit on the main part of the show today, just a little bit about Justin's story. He's got a new book out that's really good we want to share with you. And uh, just talk homesteading stuff. But uh, to stay in the flow, for those of you that hang out with us regularly, um, we usually do a little chit chat, Carol and I call it, and talk about what's going on on the homestead. We're going to answer one of your questions, and then we'll get into main topics. So for you folks that want to just write, get to the meat of things, we'll have that time stamped for you below, and you can skip ahead if you want. But uh, I, I think you don't really want to miss this discussion today. So um, Justin, you know, what's going on with you like right now? Just can you give us a little glimpse into your daily routine or, you know, any of the highlights that are happening uh, on your homestead during this spring season? Yeah, for sure, man. You said it, spring. So this yeah. we're in the middle of the, or not in the middle, the beginning of the spring explosion, like the, the week of the spring yeah. explosion. So we winter our, excuse me, let me sneeze here. Um, we winter our our lambs and our cows in deep bedding, and mm-hmm. when they go out, that's chore time because then you're moving the because we move the animals every day, and it's just like this explosion of different activity. I won't say it's necessarily harder because if they're in deep bedding, you're covering the manure. You're um, th- there's work there that you don't do in the summer, but it's just getting the hang of things. We had piglets. We had piglets for the very first time. We just planted 100 tomatoes in the greenhouse. So so we're moving the animals. uh, So we keep chickens and pigs in the greenhouse. They move out and we're finding a place for them. But then we want to plant that as soon as possible. So we're planting that with tomatoes. 100 tomatoes took a bit longer than we imagined. And we sort of got a, a farm went out of business around here and they raise animals like we do and we kind of had to just take advantage of that so we just charged in with two heifers 10 pigs that we're going to grow for market and a guard dog so all this is just exploding at once and i'm having i'm training a heifer cow to milk we decided that we're not going to eat her we're going to sell her as a family cow so let's train this heifer to milk and you know, making a video about that. So, you know, you have this one thing, you know, I list all these things, but then yeah. you add creating content around that and it's this whole other element. So it's just exploded. Oh man. And you guys, I think you and Rebecca are kind of like Carolyn and I, you just have a hard time passing up an opportunity, even if maybe you shouldn't <laughs> take it. Yeah. And uh, I, I saw that video, you guys out there on that farm picking different stuff up. And I was like, 10, 15 pigs. What is he going to do with 10, 15 pigs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm and, still uh, trying to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you I- even commented on your list there, like, you know, we're working out what we're going to do here. But you know what? Sometimes you got to do that. And and sometimes there's opportunity in front of you. And yeah. you jump on it and you take well, it. Well, 
my mentor, uh, Cliff Davis, said there's no market like pigs. There's no investment like pigs. I guess they're the original stock market. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> you can really double your money in a season with pigs. And there's opportunity there. You know, we're feeding them organic. And so you can't find mm-hmm. organic pork around here. You can right. find forested. They call it heritage, you know, little uh-huh. greenwise language, uh, uh, greenwashing language there. To, to, but it's not as super clean as maybe you would imagine uh, with their labeling. But we're, we're putting in it, getting them organic. They're in the forest. They're moving every week. And I think really, Josh, as a content creator, so far I'm, I'm been homesteading and that's what we do. But mm-hmm. is there an element of now let's show what somebody could do. Take one acre, put 10 pigs on it, 12 paddocks, moving them around every week. Mm-hmm. So, so the first paddock, get, every paddock gets 80 days rest before they come back, takes off that parasite pressure. They don't tear up the land too much in that time. That's attainable for anybody. One yep. acre, 10 pigs, but I want to, Ideally, I mean, I could leverage my audience and sell those pigs and no problem. But I think it would be fun to sell those pigs as if I was a normal person like anybody else, just the contacts in my phone. So I have some ideas about how to do that and creating content around that to enable others to just go get 10 feeder pigs, raise them for four months service that you know check on them every day pigs are so easy you check on them every day you feed their you you fill up their water fill up their feeder twice a week move them once a week that's it that's like the perfect uh person entry level if you're like working nine to five yeah okay maybe outside of chickens we'll get to that i'm sure but uh pigs are even less work than than meat chickens but you know they maybe take a little bit longer no it's very doable very accessible and i don't know you're you're right i know in our area as well there's a high demand for pork and and um you know the cost is going up feeder pigs are expensive yeah that's the thing you know and i don't even know what it is this year we brought bought some breeding pigs last year so we're going a different vein now but it's you know it's been 150 bucks 200 bucks for feeder pig um this is the this is what I want people to think of creatively too is could they if they had 10 pigs could they uh, sell it sell some as cuts perhaps sell some as halves that's probably what we'll do uh, could they butcher two on farm even hiring somebody that knows what they're doing to come and mm-hmm. sell a workshop to 10 people surrounding that yeah and people do that across the country, whether they have influence or not. They're going to the co-ops. They're posting uh, signs yeah. for this kinds of thing. Um, so there are other ways to do it. There are other ways to, uh, well, if people picked up their pig, what if you had a farm to table? So what if you held back one of those pigs and, and cooked the entire pig and, oh, and had a farm to table dinner? Yep. Okay. There was a farm to table dinner this weekend. You talk about us trying to do too much. We were trying to... Uh, <laughs> go to this farm table dinner this weekend in Raleigh, which is going to be like four hours away from us in one day to go there and back that, that dinner was going to be 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, and they had 35 people signed up for that. And they don't have this, they don't have this huge gigantic audience to leverage. They just made it happen. So there are other ways to monetize. Um, one interesting thing I would want to look at one day is raising pigs for pork sticks, like what Rome sticks is doing. So, 
adding product and then Mm -hmm. making it shippable. So a pork stick, especially with somebody with any kind of audience, 3000 people on Instagram or whatever, any kind of audience could then ship pork sticks and it opens it up because yeah, prices are going up. And so that's going to narrow down who's willing to pay for this premium product. But if you start thinking about value adds and shipping possibilities, your market becomes bigger. Well, and I, I think there's a, there's a local element that's really exciting about that, too, and what you're talking about and encouraging people to get involved on a level past raising their own food. You know, and, yeah. and here there's an entry level with a small piece of land where somebody can get involved, adding value, not just to their own what they're doing on their homestead, but adding value to the community. Yeah. You know, filling a gap. And right now, I'm sure in your area and our area, um, you know, people have gone all in on meat animals, either raising them or trying to buy them from somebody local. Our butchers are all overwhelmed. And so there's a lot of little gaps to fill the resiliency within our communities doing exactly what you're talking about. And, and yeah. even down to the meat sticks and that value adding, um, we've got a ton of shops around us that would take those products from a local person besides the yeah. Internet influence and getting them out there further. There's a lot of local people that if you've got that package well, a lot of local stores and shops, you know, that you could get yeah. a product into that. And you know, the more people we get doing that, we're, we're building little micro economies and resiliency, not just on our own farms, but within our communities. And that, that's just a really exciting thought to me. Think about this. It's not that much harder to raise. Well, if you're going to raise on a homestead, you're going to raise two pigs. Let me let that mower pass. Or is it too problematic? No, it's good. It's real life. Okay. So, so if you're on a homestead and you're raising two pigs, because you certainly don't want to raise one, definitely raise two at least. At least it's two. It's much harder to jump to 10 pigs. It's not five times more difficult. It's not even twice as difficult. Maybe 10, 10% more difficult just because you're going to have to buy a different feeder and water. Right. That's about it. Yeah. You can still move things without a tractor. You, uh, now, maybe with 10 pigs, you're hauling a lot of food up there. You're hauling food and uh, water. Depending on you're hauling what yeah. you're well, hauling water. buckets. So, yeah. yeah, maybe from two pigs to 10 pigs, if they're far out on your property, it would it would be nice to have a side by side. Yeah. Uh, with two pigs at max, you're carrying two buckets and you could have one bucket in each hand and take them out there. But if, if the pigs are close or you can drop the feed off. By the pigs, here's what we want to, here's what I want to say, Josh, is that people, if, if people are saying, oh, the price is high uh, for, for, for pork, I'll never be able to sell it. Don't say that. Don't say, because people get caught up in this can't mentality mm-hmm. all the time. And this is a good example of saying, oh, you, you might not have money. You might not have money to buy feeder pigs. Say to yourself, how can I? Instead of saying, I can't, mm-hmm. say, how can I? At least. Just do the exercise and challenge your brain and come up with six different answers. You know, literally trying to put the, uh, I don't ask my, I try not to ask my kids to do anything they can't do. Uh, And I was, I was getting her to put this uh, milk bin with all the milk supplies in it, into the, into, to Wheelie, this, the Kubota side by side. And and I can't do it. And I said, well, we we roses. We don't say can't, I, I want you to figure out a way. And she girded up her loins and just and and got it in there. But even if she couldn't, I was already knowing there were other ways. She could ask somebody to help. She could 
empty out the contents of the of the bin and then put the bin in and then put the contents in. She mm-hmm. could have went and got a stool. She could have uh, paid uh, get in to do it. The list could go on. Okay, so with pigs, you don't have money for feeder pigs. This is what we did in the beginning. We didn't have enough money to farm. So we, like I said, it doesn't take much more to raise 10 than two. So if you need two, raise four and go ahead. And what we would do early on in these days, we did it with grass fed beef is we would go ahead and sell shares. Hey, Mm -hmm. you want a quarter of a beef? Pay half now. Yep. We'll pay half at the end, right before we butcher too. So half now we can get some supplies. We can get a water trough. We can pay ourselves a little bit for this, for this trouble. Uh, we, we pay for what it costs us to, to get our, buy our own, own cows to run with them and then <clears throat> get the other half at the end, right before you go to butcher. So you have your processing costs. Yeah. So if I would have said, I didn't, I don't have the money to raise my own beef and felt sorry for myself. We would have, you already failed. So, you know, a lot of what you're bringing out is, is mindset. And this is something we try to talk about a lot because a lot of, we can talk about how to specifics for pigs and cows and chickens all day long, but a lot of it is how we think and how we process and, and yeah. that abundant mindset of, you know, and Carol and I approach life and not like, can we do this? I mean, that's a step above can't, but it's how do we yeah. do this? How? It's not even can we do it most of the time. It's like, how do we get this done? Just like you're teaching Lily, like, you know, it's not a matter, you know, you can do this, but you're teaching her also not just that you can do it, but to think it through and yeah. think about how can I do that? And that so much happens out of that process when we approach things that way and begin to make something doable. Like, well, I can't do pigs. Well, yeah, you can. And actually you can do, it's not about whether it's four or 10, but, but think about what you can do. How do you pay for it by raising two, three, eight extra well, then you can sell those, pay for all your feed. And maybe you're not trying to run a farm, a business, but you're then paying for your own food yeah. and, and a little extra for very little extra effort, like you were pointing out. And th- that that mindset is just, um, I know that's exciting to me, but it's so important it, for people to it get the hang It the brain over. And I didn't want Lily to, to, to gird up her loin. That was one option. I didn't want her to grunt it through. <laughs> I wanted to shift her thinking from this. Yeah failure from the scarcity mindset to this, oh, how can I do it? I mean, truth be told, it's just a bad mood and in a bad attitude, whatever, right? But still trying to work that through and get that in in their habit because then when they are as older and they're in a a fine mood and uh, they want to do something but feel like they can't because that's a real thing, figure out how. And listen, um, I'm not putting Shaquille O'Neal on a racehorse. You know, Shaquille O'Neal, with all the positive thinking in the world, I don't know, he's over 300 pounds, he's huge, is not going to win the Kentucky Derby. Well, that's a bit of is, an imagery there. Is, no, he's not going to ride the horse, but if he yeah. wanted to win the Kentucky Derby, he would buy the team. Yeah. And, and have the horse. So Shaquille O'Neal can win the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> I'm just yeah. trying to train this roundabout, way of thinking even for my own self you know i act like i'm some champion with this right now but and it's all textbook and good as you sitting here and talk but it's good to to reiterate that and teaching my children so that i remember it you know i'm thinking of it because i i had a defeating morning you know i barely got any 
content for our show today. I'm on a daily post for our for our vlog. Things didn't go well uh, mm -hmm. to get to my project. I had this project in mind for a film. I must have gotten six shots for it by now. Usually I'm done by now. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find time this afternoon. And I'm I'm here as I'm talking about this saying instead of just saying, oh I'll just I'll just put that off. I won't put one up tomorrow. Well one, that would be the first time ever in like six years. Uh, so instead of saying that saying, how can I, yep. and sometimes that means you just need to sit down and think, and sometimes it doesn't feel like you're doing anything in that, but you do need to sit down and just, the plan wasn't working, rework that plan and know that you are doing something. It's actually some of the most important work. Yeah. S sitting down and thinking, and you, you know, you talked about, you know, just kind of your your own experience and you, you've got bad days, too. You're having a rough one this morning. And, and even remember to think the way we talk about we're sitting up here speaking to you guys out in the audience. And a lot of times it looks like we've got it all together. But the reality <laughs> is we're struggling just the same. And sometimes we're having these moments where we're looking at the homestead trying to solve something. And, and you feel kind of like an idiot because all of a sudden you see something and you go, why didn't I think of that? I, I, yeah. I didn't, I'm not even using my own thinking, you know, in this area. And I'm sure Justin, you experienced that. And, and, you know, we hit that throughout times and we've all got to come back to that. Sit down, think, pause, observe, like in the permaculture mindset, you know, observe, take action and observe and, and get into that cycle. And it's easy and even for us sometimes to just go, how did I miss that? But sometimes you, you just need to sleep. Or or or, or stack <laughs> away. Yeah. If I'm having my problems that I had out in the woods, the one acre pig farm, just coming down here for a while, doing a little uh, physical training, having lunch, get getting on this show, uh, it's gonna. I don't know. Getting out of the place can trigger mm -hmm. that mind and get you get you thinking in a different way. Do you guys um, and people ask us this? Do you guys take vacations? For, for that reason, for like exactly what you're talking about mm. right there, just like totally to get your head cleared a little bit. Because if you're like me, I, my mind doesn't stop if I'm here. There's just so <laughs> much. Oh, both, both right. enjoyable yeah. side, the stuff that I'm excited to do, I'm looking forward to getting into. And then there's just all the, you know, all the challenges. I like to say challenges if I can instead of problems. But, you know, all the things that I got to solve and figure out and, and the mind doesn't shut down. And I know for us, sometimes it's helpful like you're saying, to even take a step back a little bit further to kind of clear things out and let the brain slow down and let new ideas kind of come in in, in a different environment. Do you guys do that? Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, we'll, the, the, well, first we try to create a life that we don't need a vacation from. So yeah. we've, we've, we've worked hard to build a life that isn't, that, that is also enjoyable. So for that, for, for us, that means, <clears throat> We as we are extremely hardworking, but we and and as an entrepreneur, you have to be disciplined. So then, we work just as hard at resting as we do at working. So that means we, we've been a little naughty lately because it's not been nine a.m. with the time change. It's a little a little more difficult. Well, you're in spring. I mean, we are in bed at nine o'clock. That means after. Uh, after the five o'clock dinner, we are, Rebecca does her self-care for an hour mm -hmm. and I'm watching all the kids and then we flip and I do the self-care and the kids are in the, the kids are in the bed. They're in that and listening to audiobooks. And hmm. then 
we're giving ourselves eight, nine hours of sleep. But how's that hard work? Oh, it sounds sounds nice. It's hard work because you want to keep working. You want to watch a program. Well, it's not easy uh, to stop. out on something. You it's want to, to just or 11. keep checking the emails. You have to be disciplined. That's the hard work and say, I'm going to take care of myself. And then you sleep and you come in charged. Uh, if you walk around the farm, the problem is, you know, we'll go on walks often and yeah, real quick after dinner or something. And you can't help but see and say, oh, we need to do this or that over there. Look, this sheep is, is going to mm-hmm. get out. I mean, I, I called it yesterday. We went on a nice leisure walk and I said, Winnie is not tied up, the new guard dog, and she's already, she's got that calf pin. I guarantee you she's going to chase that calf through the fence. But we just wanted to relax. So we, we're, we're fortunate. We walked off the property. That helps. Yeah. A neighbor lets us walk on their beautiful property. Uh, we could also walk down our road. We're fortunate to live on a dead-end road. Nice. Well, that does help. But then by the time we came back from that walk, yeah, uh, the dog had chased the calf out and they knocked down the fence. And so the bull and everybody else was out and it was about 40. But the I knew that was made pro- probably going to happen. And it did. Yeah. But we got our rest. It wasn't the end of the world. Sure. They tore up some elderberry bushes, but gosh, how many elderberry bushes do we need? We haven't even harvested from them for the last two years. Let's just be real with ourselves. We can't yeah. cry over the, uh, the crushed elderberry bushes because in reality, we're not even <laughs> harvesting. Our, we haven't even gotten around to harvesting them, right? So sure. you got them wherever you need them. You, we did take a vacation a couple of years ago. We find, we got to the spot with our business where we could actually afford a vacation. Mm-hmm. And we would go to Florida. And that does help. Hiring a good farm sitter because yeah. you come back charged. You know, you come back raring to go and have this energy. So long term, give yourself rest every every night mini vacations and then in that staycations and then hire a killer farm sitter, put it in the budget. Don't say I can't afford a farm sitter. Yep. Uh, put it in the budget, uh, say, find a way and get out of there. We're even thinking about now because what's progress, what's success grind it. Maybe it is, maybe, maybe that is it. Somebody wanting to, you know, killing it for 16, 17 hours a week or 17 hours a day or is success getting your farm so streamlined and so smooth and, and getting a good relationship with a farm sitter that even one day you could take your kids and go on a hike on a Friday during the middle of the day, mm-hmm. every two weeks. So you could do a little one day staycation. Yeah. I think I that's important. For. Yeah. I, I, I think that's really important to have things throughout the season and, you know, you, you just talked about a whole lot of options and I think all of them are good. It's going to little, look a little different for each of us, but getting, making sure you're getting that break, both the mental break and just different activities that are relaxing and fun and they're bonding for the family together outside the work and even the beauty of the farm and all the things that we enjoy about it, getting those hikes, getting yeah. those, you know, we go, we go down to the river in the summer, you know, every afternoon when it gets hot, so just we have that right here and, yeah. and we take an hour and go play together in the river and then come back and do chores and, you know, finish up, do our evening routine. Um, you know, there's different things throughout the season. And that's uh, that's really important to this whole picture that we're doing that as a family and getting uh, some of those rewards. Yeah. Well, hey, let's um, let's switch gears for a second, because I wanted to talk about your thingamajigger. 
And <laughs> uh, I was just catching up with what you guys were doing last night and saw one, you're, you, you just put tomatoes in the ground. And I got to tell you, that just hurts because I'm in North Idaho and uh, we, we were 20 degrees when we woke up this morning. We'll be 16 yeah. tomorrow. And so we're, you're, you're like eight weeks ahead of us. Oh, uh, for sure. It was yeah. like 70 degrees that day. Oh yeah, no. I, you guys will just look warm and comfortable, and we're we're like at that point in the season. We're like you're just you can't wait, man. Give me some sunshine and some warm weather. Yeah. But um, you know, seeing inside your your greenhouse there and what you were doing because I grow tomatoes similarly and in our DIY hoop house, and usually I string them with jute. But it's actually a lot of work to tie that jute up every year and yeah. each one one foot. You know, and we got two sides, sixty something foot long, so it's one hundred and twenty feet. And um, you had a deal that uh, I know I'm interested in and I think our audience will be interested in and uh, that just looks slick, hangs right up real easy for for, you know, stringing these tomatoes up. And yeah. I, I've never seen anything like that. before. Let me um, I will t- text Rebecca. I'm actually texting her right now uh, to give me that link. <clears throat> Those came from Growers Solution. And those right. thingamajiggers, you hang them up and it's twine. It's, it's, it's twine on a reel. And they're super easy to hang up too, by the way. Well, you hang them up, you pinch this wire, and then you can unroll the spool. And you unroll the spool all the way down to the ground. And it's just a twine that then, then you can get, you get a little, you didn't see it in that video because we haven't done it yet because the tomatoes mm-hmm. are little. But they get these little plastic clamps where you can attach your tomatoes to this string. Okay, interesting. You just keep attaching these plastic. Maybe she can send me a picture or something. Or you uh, don't, you don't show notes. You don't wind the tomato. You just clamp it on the string as it grows. Right. You don't, you don't wind the tomato, mm-hmm. and then, um, so the tomato goes. Potentially, she's like, I want them to go all the way to the roof this year, and they could. Um, so then they've grown. You've gone through your seasons. You've gotten these tomatoes. And you're done. So then we, we, we pull the tomatoes down. Now what we do is then you cut, you can cut that line because after the tomatoes, what happens on our farm, if you've been watching our show long enough, we bring it, you, you know, it's wood chipped in there. And so we, we can bring in the chickens and the pigs for the winter. Yeah. Okay. And they get all the weeds that had accumulated or whatever. And those lines had been cut. So they're out of our way. And the next season, you go in there, you get your tall ladder and get up on there and you just squeeze that bar. You can pull more line out. And, nice. remember, you know, we're talking about going on vacation. That's the thing, Josh. I'm like you, you get your animals that you want. And it's all a big mess. When we came back from the Great American Farm Tour, we just got all the animals and figured out a way. And you think I was having a bad day today. No, no. It compares nothing to uh, just exploding a homestead when you first get started. And, but every year you do something, not even you know, a little improvement. every day we're doing something, improve something. I'm like, improve 1% every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if that's too much for you, improve 1% a week. If you did it every day, it's a compounding rule. You you've doubled, not in a hundred days, you've doubled yourself in 72 days. Yeah. So you go out there. And, and last year, we, we, we hung the wire that, that holds those thingamajingers. We put in the thingamajingers because we didn't know about them before. You're just learning about them, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you'll probably put them in this year. But guess what, Josh? Next year, 
you won't have to put in the thingamajiggers. You would have no. already done it. Yep. And so then you're like, oh, I've got all my animals that I want here. Don't be going crazy. Don't be keeping going crazy. Uh, be happy with with sheep and cows and pigs and and chickens. Don't be going nuts. Buy buy your honey from the local guy. Uh, don't become a cheese specialist. But you know, let the craftsmen do their work. I mean, I'm I don't, I don't got anything against honey or cheese. I'm just throwing those out as an example. Pick these things that you love. Streamline it. Make it better. Be willing to do trading with the community. If it's food trade or if it's dollar bills, there's nothing wrong with supporting the community and uh, well, getting some stuff going and getting those thingamajiggers because I don't have to do it next year. And so it took us two days to plant tomatoes. Now, we're not working that whole time. We have jobs, too. I mean, we, we create content. So we, we go to work. You know, we only have so much time to do jobs and other things are going on the farm. And we hung those temperatures. Well, instead of it taking two days or instead of last year, it would have took three or four days. Well, this year only it took two. Yep. Well, and that's key to success. Two things I want to draw out here, too, that you're talking about. That's really you know key to being people being successful. And, and that is doing what you can do well. One, what the land you have to work with can do and what you're going to enjoy. So if you enjoy dairy, great. Go do dairy. But you don't have to try to do everything, I think, is your point. Do the things that are, you know, you're right. going to do well and that you're going to enjoy and leave mm -hmm. room. We need other people doing other things that they do well. That's part of what's going to build resiliency in our communities. We don't say I don't I don't like the term self-sufficiency a whole lot to go too far with that, because, yeah, there's a level of self-sufficiency, but we want resiliency on our homestead and in the communities. And, and that's yes. finding that sweet spot. You find that sweet spot in what you do. And yeah, we're going to do a whole lot of things. We want diversity. We want diversity of enterprises and actions on a homestead. But we also want to be fostering you know, other people in the community. And so if somebody's great at honey, they've got a good environment for yes. honey, that's their passion. Do that, let them do that, and then buy the honey from them. And then we have this trade and this interaction that's going yeah. on in the community that's building resilience. And we're yeah. not, everybody's not working themselves to death thinking like, I gotta, I gotta provide everything for myself on my piece of land. Um, yeah, I say that know, in the book, like uh, I encourage people to grow right outside your door. So first of all, you don't get intimidated. That's a permaculture principle. Mm -hmm. Yep. Where do you start? Well, grow right up, start right outside your door. If you don't have a door, if you don't even where to start outside your door, well then get a five inch terracotta pot and put it in your windowsill. Please tell me you have a window. Okay. You, do. You, know, uh, you know, and get started there. Yep. I, that's a, but I take it a little further and say, grow at what's outside the door of your heart. So grow what you like, grow what you like to eat, grow yep. what you like to manage. Uh, Rebecca and I are balancing it on the homestead. I love to eat meat. I'm basically a carnivore plus a little bit of fruit. And she's all about the veggies. So I'm head of the the animal production and mm -hmm. she's head of the veggies. And we've even found a way to marriage it so that my my animals are in the greenhouse in the winter and I'm getting my eggs and chicken meat and pork and they're manuring and scratching the deep bedding that then becomes the soil underneath there for her tomatoes. So we move the animals out, plant the tomatoes and those, then it's one thing. Yep. Then I'm excited because it's an animal system and she's excited because it's a vegetable system. Integrated. Oh, gosh, I linked the show. I linked the trellis crop support. It's what it's called. That's what the thing right. is called. And then, um, yeah, uh, we'll get, no, it's called a roller hook. 
Roller and then the clips. So I linked okay. those in the chat. And yeah, we'll get those. We'll get those into the feed, you guys down below for the links on those. And let, let's revisit that for a minute because you talked about something really important. Besides my own interest in it, what you were talking about about that one percent and those little bit of improvements. And a lot of times, folks trying to do the homesteading thing, you know, we want to be DIY. We want to be cheap, is the oh, word no. I hear a lot. And I, and I don't like cheap. Cheap's not the right answer. We all want to maximize value. We want to be good stewards. But th this hits right on something besides liking this tool that's kind of nifty and makes things easier about, you know, spending a little bit more money for a system that, yeah, OK, this year I got to put it up. But then next year, like you were saying, it's that much easier. It works great. And it's then freeing me up to do, you know, go on to the next thing to do something else. Well, well, and kind of achieve that one percent that I know you've been focusing on with yourself and in your homestead yeah. and in your business. Um, and yeah, I'm going to spend a little bit money, more money this year for that particular thing. But what it's going to do to optimize my time or, you know, one of the kids times that's working on that and move us ahead and make better use of our time. And I, I think that's a really important mindset for people to think those things through and be willing to upgrade a system in the right place, even though it has an, ex you know, a greater expense to it. But there's uh, a savings and a value that's added by just a little tool like that thingamajigger. I don't even know what it's called. That's what you called it on the video. Yeah, but those little steps add up. And just like what you're talking about on that 1% day after day when we're willing to do those things. I almost wonder if sometimes, and this is the first time I've ever had this thought, but I, ever, I sometimes wonder if this, this macho, like, I got to do everything, if maybe some, some somehow... That's actually if 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 maybe hidden behind that is really an excuse uh, to not do things because there's no way you can do it all. <laughs> and um, there is this heavy like even this homestead shaming, uh, this this you're feeling this pressure to do everything yourself. And I I I can give you an example of our raised beds. If you buy cedar and you build these four foot by eight foot raised beds. Mm -hmm. And I encourage people to buy the cedar because that last, you know, it's not, yep. it doesn't have the toxins of the pressure Absolutely. treated. Yeah. Um, and then uh, find some logs and put in the bottom of it. That's the one thing hard to buy. But then I tell people to then buy, buy the fill, buy the, buy the topsoil, the, the, the field. I'm, I'm going to say field dirt, but that's not right. Um, the garden soil. Garden so, soil, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, people getting this, Oh, I got to make, I got to make the compost. Well, I got news for you. I went on the great American farm tour and the greatest, uh, the goat of gardening, uh, Elliot Coleman mm -hmm. buys his compost in an entirely different state. <laughs> yeah. Vermont composting shipping yep. to, uh, Elliot Coleman, the greatest farmer, uh, gardener of all time in Maine. Okay. Yeah. So I think we could take a lesson from Elliot and say, it's okay to not do everything is support the community. And people will, this is why I think maybe it's an excuse because people will, uh, you get back into that camp because you can't actually do everything. And you might say, well, the prices have gone up so much for mm -hmm. the garden soil or for the lumber. Well, guess well, what? Guess the, food, the food's going up. The food prices have gone up too. <laughs> and if you think about it, I did a study on it. I don't know if I'll be able to pull it up right now on quickly in the chat, but basically I, I put it in the book of the rooted life. Uh, 
if you spent a thousand dollars, people were getting these uh, tax stimulus at the time mm -hmm. in 2020. And so mm -hmm. everybody was getting a thousand bucks. Well, what if you spent a thousand dollars on garden, even the, I mean, you didn't do the, like the bulletproof garden that basically cost nothing where you just plant it in the ground and just did some grass clippings and mulch, blah, blah. You did the my expensive raised beds. You spent a thousand bucks. You bought your own soil. Well, you should see our raised beds right now. We can plant 36, uh, four, oh, yeah. four lettuces per square foot. So it's something like almost a hundred lettuces and just half of it. And the yeah. other half like have a dozen broccoli. Yep. Uh, you can grow and then and then you can stack it if you plant it right and plant lots of crops in it throughout the season. And suddenly you've grown three thousand dollars worth of food in the first season. So you've tripled your money. You've three hundred percent X. The stock market, the best it's done over the last hundred years, if you invested in the index across the board, eight percent a year. I tell people you, you cannot <laughs> go wrong putting financial inputs into your soil to grow a good garden. You know, people complain about this. They see it as dirt. Well, one, dirt's dead. It's not dirt. Yeah. It's soil. Yeah, yeah that offends me too. You get upset <laughs> inside. Oh, it, drives me, it drives me nuts when people go, I mean, there, there's a proper term for dirt, and there's a place to talk about dirt. But what we're talking about here is not dirt. We are talking about soil, and soil's alive. We're getting into pet peeves now with Josh. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> but people don't, they get afraid to spend money on soil, on improving the garden. And one of the best experiences I had is about 10 years ago now, and it was one of our first really large gardens. And I spent like $2,000 between soil, mulch, seeds, everything yes. on the garden. And my neighbors thought I was nuts. I mean, they thought I was just off my rocker bringing in, you know, all this quality compost because I couldn't make it. I didn't have it. And, yeah, yeah a little bit of manure from, from a neighbor, but we were on clay soil. It was sod. We were converting it. And and uh, it was is hands down the best first-year garden I've ever had. It was a first-year garden mm -hmm. on this property. And we grew probably $8,000. You know, we did our best to track it and, and add it up and look what the prices were in the store. And it was organic. And, you know, so it was a 4X on what we invested and i've never seen that fail and so that's one of those places where we, we don't want to be cheap we want to look at what we're doing and and that soil is just a great one so i get excited about that because i can't impress to people enough how important it is and to be willing to use your resources in the right place to develop something that's going to do it's just going to have such a high return yeah uh, besides the satisfaction and getting yourself going and so and like your raised beds are a great way on a small holding to produce a lot of food in a small space if you'll spend the money for the cedar and you'll spend the money for the soil to kick that off and get it going yeah because uh and you know it's full it's foolproof it's this idea of foolproof you know i mentioned it yeah. uh, in the in the rooted life is like uh, for people start by your starts, like we're, we're experienced too. And we know how to start our own seeds. We did the mm -hmm. soil blocking even, and did that for a decade. But then at some point we're like, let's buy our starts. And that means for those that don't know, that's like a four week old plant that's ready to go. Yep. Uh, so you didn't have to, you didn't have to have a greenhouse. You didn't have, you know, so I'm just telling people you're just starting out. Lowe's, Home Depot, the gardening store, they're still, they're selling these starts. Do that. Don't be a hero and erect a greenhouse and start to mm -hmm. see maybe one day mm -hmm. be the hero. But my goodness, buy the starts, buy, <laughs> buy the compost, uh, build the raised beds. And right out the bat, you're going to have this amazing production and wonderful experience. And 
really, you're going to save time and energy and money. And you're not just going to go, whoa, and just sit back and go inside and watch binge on Seinfeld. You're going to, you're going to build, you're going to, with that extra time, just do more gardening or get some chickens. Uh, that, that ends up what happening. I mean, the more, the more efficient you get, the, the, you end up just increasing your production. Well, and you're, yeah, and you're building success with that thinking, um, yeah. you know, in, in growing your enterprise, you know, whatever it is at whatever level you're doing and, and you're building in successes. And that's really important. Yeah. We just, we can't do everything and we can't do it all. So those steps like buying starts or like butchering is another one. We have people ask us all the time, do we butcher all our animals? And there have been seasons where, yes, we've butchered them all and including an 800 pound steer ourselves without a butchering yeah. facility that I don't recommend that if you don't have to, but because yeah. it's a huge job. Do we do that every year? No, not because we don't like to, I'd actually prefer to, we get a better yield. We like the way yeah. we do it. But a lot of times it just doesn't make sense and it's better to, to hire that out, get that done because there's other jobs that need to be done that are more important. And, Absolutely. and so being willing to, you know, hire that out buy the starts, pay to get the butchering done, you know, there's a lot of examples we could probably come up with, but those th that thinking is important in the strategy on the homestead to, to help you be successful. If we let's go, but let's go down the butchering road here for a second. So sure. uh, you that entire cow, you can look at the cow behind me. OK, mm -hmm. you can actually use if if not eat every single thing on him. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you could yeah. eat the skin. I mean, you could, <clears throat> you could eat the hide if it can't, if push come to shove. When people are starving, they eat leather. Yeah, you can fry it up. Uh, you can also so, you can fry it up like chicharrones, you know, on the pigs. You can eat the brains. You can eat the test the intestines. Uh, I know Slow Down Farmstead. She takes the stomach and 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 the guts and stuff, and will cut it up and save it for her chickens and pigs. Uh, you can use the horns for different things. The hide. You can uh, compost it even if you can't do anything else. <laughs> well, but er, er, you can use every single thing on that for your direct use, not even counting compost. Of course, yeah, we can compost. But then um, Brandon Sheard, the Farmstead Meatsmith, came out here mm -hmm. and he would keep saying, pick your battles. Because, yes, you can clean out the test. You can clean out the stomach and make a, a beef haggis, I guess. Uh, you can do that. You're going to be there all day and the next day. You have and to pick your battles because you, we also, you also have milk cows on the farm. You have sheep. You have chickens to tend to. You have kids. You probably have, Most people listen to this, Josh. Most people in my audience have the nine to five. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yep. Same same here. Uh, we, we've got all you, of that. And, and really, it comes back to, uh, back to the starts. We, Rebecca and I, who cares if we have the experience? We've learned now that, wait. We just met somebody that that's their business. They grow starts and sell them and they're local. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's contract with you because you're even better at it than me to do our starts. And then in the winter, we're focusing on getting the animals out of the greenhouse and the, and, and, and the animals moving every day on pastures. And that frees us up to buy 10 pigs to do the one acre pig farm. <laughs> and, and we've supported those people and our production has gone up, not down because mm -hmm. we've shelled out because we've exported goods, return of surplus as a, as permaculture would call it. You want to have a return of surplus and 
You need to have a return of surplus, right? Yeah, uh, that's that's essential. We need that. Li- listen, if like if we did everything, you you mentioned you you were touching on a little bit earlier about supporting the community. If if, if we learn to do everything, oh, because we're we're scared. Uh, times are going to get tough, and uh, people are going to be hurting, and and I don't want that to happen to us. And and we uh, kind of get into this. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this having a level of prep preparation and our mindset and motive there's nothing wrong with that but follow that through really if something really goes down that's that's that bad oil dries up or whatever war Mm -hmm. whatever and everybody around us is suffering are we really saying we're not going to have a heart to to help (laughs) Mm -hmm. to 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 share so i think it would have been it would have been good like you were saying earlier, to have established some sort of community network so that everybody else isn't hurting yeah. as bad as they, as maybe they would have had we not supported them in good times. That, that's, that's essential. And, and yeah, Justin, you know, it needs to be part of the goal and what we're doing. And that's why I, I get to harping on self-sufficiency a little bit. I mean, it has a place in the term. But I think it's much more about resiliency and resiliency, not just for us, but for our communities, because we're, we're not going to be an island alone. That's a bad situation you describe. If you've got it all together and somehow you are self-sufficient and the world's hurting all around you, um, that's just not what we want it to look like. And two, the reality is very few of us are, are going to hold all, on to all that. We're hopefully going to share it with everybody and share the yeah. abundance and the surplus of what we have. So all much, all, that much better that we're encouraging each other and building resiliency and thinking out past our own homesteads and making these links and these connections. And I mean, I love that example with the starts. That's a phenomenal example of another thing. When, when you guys out there are thinking about your homesteads and the actions you're taking, what, what can you do that lightens your load a little bit? Springtime, Justin's in the middle of it right now. Everything's exploding. We, we all know what that's like. So what can you do to lighten your load a little bit but it still increases your productivity and it still helps somebody else in your community or build yeah. something that they're doing. And, and then there's this interaction of resiliency between homesteads and within community so that um, if those times come, you know, and they're going to on some levels and, and um, you know, it's kind of a whole nother discussion. We could go down the rabbit trail and what's happening, but, but, you know, they're, they're going to come. And the more we're building this now, the more we get through these things together, right? whatever they are, yeah. whatever they are. You know what my resiliency plan is? Have it. Uh, a, a bull, a ram, a boar, yep. a rooster. Breeding stock. I don't know what I'm saying here. Josh is already on to it. These are males. And of course, I'm going to have the, 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 the other end, the females, basically breeding stock we were out doing, we were out getting everybody back together. Remember I told you everybody broke out. We were getting everybody back together. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I started counting cows. I'm like, Holy crap. We've got, we've got 11 cows. Uh, So, you know, we got eight acres. That's too much for eight acres. Uh, And for us, Holy, oh my goodness, we've become the crazy cow people. So, you know, you're talking about a a good investment portfolio right there, Justin. You're talking about, uh, diversified assets that reproduce <laughs> themselves and grow. That's right. Because this, <laughs> this was happening. So, so now Josh, 
we're enough with this. Enough with the, you know, we're not going to keep heifers. Uh, we, we're castrating the males. So uh, our, um, it's, let's, now we have a six-month-old heifer to sell. We have a heifer we just trained as a family milk cow that has a calf to sell. Uh, so this will, this will help other families. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have another uh, heifer that's about breeding age. She's going to be for sale. And so what, I, what, three or four. And I'm no less off. I'm no less rich or, or wealthy because I've sold them. Why? I got more coming. Yep. <laughs> Cause yep. I got a bull. <laughs> and, yep. and when he expires, he would have already had an offspring bull that would replace him. You see and and AI here? has a lot of challenges. You know, we are always all the time. Why can't I just AI? Can I just AI? And, and yeah. yeah, sometimes you can, but there, there is nothing like having that male animal on your farm that, that completes that cycle, that reproduction cycle, cycle, that, that is just such an important uh, resiliency. I, I love it. I'm that telling you that male animal, especially yeah. in the cow, don't get me started on cows. Uh, you talk about grain, grain prices going up and, mm-hmm. you know, there's food shortages enter, entering our vernacular for the first time. Uh, yep. Food shortages, uh, supply chain issues, another thing entering mm-hmm. our vernacular for the first time. That don't happen with sunshine and grass. If it does, we got way bigger problem. <laughs> we gone. So, uh, what I'm saying is the cow, the, the bull and a couple of cows all day long. Well, eating the grass. I can see them as I'm talking to you. Chomp, chomp. I can hear it. Chomp, chomp. Uh, resiliency. Resiliency is what they're saying as they chew that grass because they move on. We let that grass. It just comes right back up just like yep. their offspring. No, man, God's creation is just phenomenal. He, he, the abundance that he gives us, if we will work with what he made, you yeah. know, and just that little cycle you're talking about right there and that regrowth and the sunlight of the, you know, the conversion of the sunlight and the energy and the carbon and everything that's happening there. Um, there is so much abundance here if we'll get in sync and we'll get to working yes. with it. Um, I wanted to say something. You, you're my first permaculture teacher taught me. The only thing between you and your goals is this little thin skull, you know, don't, don't, you know, let your mind go. And he said, he came to me and I think to make a point, he said, you can grow guinea pigs. They're the most efficient, high production, uh, bang for your buck, pound for pound, the best thing. He was, he was expanding my mind. Was that Jeff? No, that was, uh, just a local permaculture teacher, Chuck. Yeah. Uh, so we have to, so back to the beef thing, like they're eating grass, you know, the sunshine is growing the grass or grass is growing and we can't eat the grass, but we can eat the beef. And I've learned as being, I'm really going to blow people's mind here. I'm not going to tell you to eat a guinea pig, but I am going to tell you if push come to shove, a man can eat two pounds of beef a day and not just survive, but actually thrive oh, yep. absolutely thrive and that's food on hoof no storage requirement because if you talk about deep resiliency you're talking about not alternative energy but not needing the energy in the first place so yep. you're talking about uh uh food stored on hoof cows that that giving milk every day and a mm-hmm. new calf every year 
uh, is, is, is that that's that's exciting to me. And not that it's not just a if you if if push came to shove and you're eating beef and milk. What I'm saying is you're not just surviving; you're actually going to thrive. And I, I've been proof of that eating more carnivore for the last two or three years. So that's been going good. That's been going good for you. I know you, a lot of people here may not know your story, but you've had some serious health struggles with Lyme's disease. And so uh, I know you've been working through figuring a lot of that out over the years. And so going that more carnivore diet you have found has been really, really helpful for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I I bring that up, not to say everybody's got to do that, but to Mm -hmm. say, get out of, get out of the shell, let your mind go and expand. Think about guinea pigs, grasshoppers. Actually, grasshoppers beat guinea pigs for the for the mo- most high efficient food source, pound for pound intake to what they give you. Okay. Uh, they're not culturally acceptable for us to eat, or socially acceptable is what I mean. Uh, you know, rabbits aren't necessarily socially acceptable. Uh, you know, it's not really part of our culture here, but they're they're uh, they can be more efficient. Uh, ducks and geese. If we would get oh, yeah. eat more geese, geese can survive more on grass than than chickens. I mean, chickens can oh, maybe at best get twenty percent of their diet from grass, where geese it's more are, flipped with geese. Yep, they're like eighty, I say eighty to one hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's at in least eighty percent. In a pinch, I had friend free ranges ducks here even in the winter, and. They make it now. Yeah. Is it high production? Are they going to give you as many eggs or whatever as maybe they would have on grain? No, but they cost you nothing. Yep. Hey, I want to touch on something before we get too far away from it. And that's that idea of having that that male counterpart to whatever breed you're raising on your farm. Yeah. And you get into big animals like cows, um, sometimes even sheep um, and pigs, and people are like, well, I don't have room for them. You know, I don't have the ability. So there's that there's that limiting mindset that I can't. And I want to encourage you to think past that. A, a bull can service like around 25 cows easily in a season, yeah. a healthy bull. So co-op it, you know, yeah. find somebody that's got the land and then, and then, you know, co-op the bull and share it and go in on it and use it around a few people, a few smaller holdings. And you can do this with male animals um, and, and, and create a community. If you don't have the land or you don't have the resources to feel like you can maintain that, you know, that size animal on your land, there's different ways to get it done. There's deep bedding. So people can raise, I just, for example, as, as, as a teacher, I raised two pigs under a carport. I petitioned half of it off uh, with, with cattle panels and T posts and just to have walls and to hold mulch. So I put down eight, eight inches of wood chips in the bottom, put two pigs on it. So they're only in half of it. It's 10 by uh, half of the carport is 10 by 12 so 120 square foot only 60 square foot per per, we're talking about a carport Mm -hmm. you guys everybody listening knows how big a carport is two pigs and half of it uh wood chips in the other half to keep them dry and uh putting in wood chips over their manure every day putting in a a a, a, a pitchfork a manure in every day so oh i don't have room you got a carport you can raise two pigs which is gonna be uh, uh, let's see if you raise pig, I'm going to say 200 ish, 250 pounds of, of pork and in, in, two to 400 pounds of six pork to eight in your months. freezer. Yeah. In six to eight months in a yeah. season, in a regular growing yeah. season. Yeah. 
So yeah, if, if there's been a theme of the show, if the one, if what is the one takeaway, it's just stop saying I can't don't limit that mind and, and, and encourage yourself to get thinking outside of that box. Yeah, I love that, Justin. That's a good summary and that's a good transition because we are getting in on time and I wanted to talk. I wanted to introduce people for a minute here to a couple of things you've got going on. You've got a brand new book out. I think this is your first book, isn't it? Yes. Um, the Rooted Life. Let me get that in the camera and we'll get a link to you guys. to that. Tell us a little bit about this book for a minute and just why you wrote it and, and who it's for. Uh, we are voracious readers and love to read. And we, we basically, we found we're growing our own food and living this lifestyle, this homesteading lifestyle. We're so excited about it. Basically, that's what's coming down to that. Then we've built a career about it and we're so excited. You know, uh, there's this, if you, it, it completes our joy. You find something that makes you happy and is wonderful and good. The only thing that can make that better is sharing that with somebody else. You know how if you're, you're watching a funny show, it's hard not to laugh and look, look over at your most no. loved one in the room. You know what I mean? You want to look and laugh at each other first. Whatever. Notice that the next time. Go watch your Seinfeld or something and watch, and then watch. Uh, is that what you watch at 12 o'clock at night when you can't I don't know sleep? why I've ended up bringing that up. A couple, it's been a long time. <laughs> you could tell I was... I was at my height in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> I should tell him to go watch Nacho Libre. That's a guaranteed. So, and then watch what happens when you laugh, you look at others. So we've discovered this amazing thing. So we've created it with movies uh, through YouTube, but there's something. And, and when we wanted to go bigger with a course or a product like permaculture, Chickens was one of our first th courses and in, in DVDs. Remember those? Oh, yeah. We don't do it DVDs anymore. Um, yep. There's nothing physical about movies anymore. Yep. And there's something. So there's something physical about a book. There's also something very special about being able to hold something, smell it. Have you smelled that book yet, Josh? It smells great. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's Let's off. Check it it's pretty yeah, terrible check for it you. Out. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, I love it. But you're right. <laughs> and you can I, hold I, it. Oh, man. And this is how I feel about books. I mean, you know, you and I, <laughs> Carolyn, Rebecca, you know, all of us out here are teaching right online and we're, we're making a living and we're engaging with people out there that want to learn online. And that's great. But nothing replaces this. And, and, and a book is still my go to, you know, when I'm looking for an answer and you can engage with it. You can hold it in a way that's just different than the computer. Yeah. And it's, it's also a layer of resiliency because the Internet is still out there it's a great tool i absolutely love it as a tool but we need to remember nothing get this right nothing replaces these right here and what that book does what's special and different about that book you're holding it up it's not that thick the audiobook version is four hours long it's my voice we had a blast recording that so in the time we've been sitting on this podcast somebody could have read a quarter of that book they could have heard us say, oh, raised beds. He probably talks about that in his book and looked it up, opened it up, ordered the stuff online uh, or, or went to the Lowe's or whatever and, and get going on that. So what's cool about that book, though, is it's 60 percent guide and 40 percent lifestyle. So mm -hmm. you don't even need that whole book to learn. And, and it's about gardening and chickens and putting it all together with permaculture design and. Um, you can go straight to the point, oh, I want to do the raised beds, go go right to that. Or you can sit down with your family 
at the meal and read the beginning of, a, of the chapter because it's a fun story. Mm-hmm. It's a fun, uh, you're going to laugh, the little kids will enjoy it kind of thing. So it's entertaining. I, I imagine it's, it's the book version of my vlogs. We've always wanted to make people learn and laugh in our vlogs. Yeah, well, it really is. Text format now. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, Justin, one of the things I, I think you do great is you teach while telling a story. You're a great storyteller. And that's one of the things I loved about this book is, yeah, there's a lot to learn in here. I picked up some tips and things. I was like, oh, man, I hadn't thought about it that way. Or or you brought me back yeah. to something that I had learned in permaculture. But you did it in a way that just was, one, it made me feel like I was sitting down with you guys and having a laugh and 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 <laughs> learning a little bit about you. And and uh, it was it was really pleasant. Yeah, good. Thanks. So you guys check check out the rooted life, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. But Justin, anything else? I just I want you to take an opportunity to share. Uh, you know the book. You've got some other things going on on YouTube and A plus, and let people know how they can engage with you a little bit. Uh, and we'll get some links in there as well. Uh, yeah. Line with that, Justin Rhodes on YouTube, and our, we have our own streaming fl- platform, Abundance Plus, which means you can watch. Uh, my vlogs that are on YouTube on the streaming platform, ad-free, censorship free too. So butcherings included and things like that, the stuff we can't put on YouTube, but you can also get television shows. We're producing high-end television shows. We're talking with Josh about getting one uh, later in the season with them and their family. And then uh, we have a whole docu-series called Rooted uh, that, that documents our life in a deep, uh, cinematic Netflix style type of way, but we also have 400 instructional videos and a community. So, uh, and that's one thing too, Josh is like uh, these big companies and we could do a whole nother podcast are coming down on us, you know, just kind of serving us as parents, you know, we don't need Facebook telling us what we can't, what we should and should not consume. You know, we, we mm-hmm. should be able to decide that for ourselves. Right. But, uh, so at first it's like, uh, Facebook will mark canning posts as extreme and they'll have these prompts saying, do you know of someone uh, that is too prepared? These, this is a true story uh, Facebook prompts and, and asking this stuff. And uh, so we build our own social media platform mm-hmm. basically on abundance. Plus you sign up for abundance. Plus you, you get the streaming movies and instructional videos, but you also get a, a, a forum that acts a lot like Facebook, but without the nonsense, you can sell your livestock. You can uh, uh, talk about canning <laughs> and then not get labeled as extreme and all that stuff. And now we're about, because it's hard for folks to list livestock. You can't do it on Facebook marketplace. Nope. I, think, I think you could do it through Craigslist. I don't think you can list pets on, on Craigslist like dogs and stuff. So we're launching our own marketplace too, Josh. We're just seeing. Good deal problems that we're having ourselves mm-hmm. uh lack of knowledge uh, uh lack of community not being able to sell stuff online and, and and others are experiencing these same problems and we're saying let's come up with that solution what's and the solution doing that big time with abundance plus and we're about to launch probably by the time this is out we've launched the marketplace and that can be found at abundance plus oh good yeah and you can find abundance plus i think on Kind of your favorite streaming app. I, I feel oh, like yeah. it's, you, it's on it's your awesome apps, so people know like where to you go. Can, you you sign up for it online mm-hmm. at abundantplus.com, and then you can download it on on your Android or your iPhone, uh, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire Stick. Uh, it's an app on all those 
and then you just use your login credentials to log in and you can stream. Good deal. That's pretty cool. Well, you, That's, that is very cool. And it's, it's a great platform. I'm, I've been enjoying the discovery, discovering home stories. Good. And of course, those are some folks, a lot of those are folks up here close to us really been yeah. enjoying that. And so you guys check that out. We'll leave you all the links down below to, to get right that right to it. So you don't have to go searching yeah. around too much and um, check out what Justin's doing. And Justin, I, I think we're going to get together in June. Hopefully we can do this again yeah. and maybe sit and actually side by side and, and maybe have another chat like this. Yeah. I'm going to return to favor. I'm going to get you on my podcast. Right on. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Say hello to Rebecca and the family. And um, just you guys uh, keep on there as you're in the thick of spring. Thanks. Okay. And uh, everybody, we will see you soon. Hopefully next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.